This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Hello and welcome to the Theology Gaming something <laughs> podcast sessions. I'll find out later when I am editing this what I want to call it. <laughs> but hello and welcome. Today I have Joshua Collar with me and that's it. Yeah, hey. Good morning. <laughs> good morning. Or good wherever you are. Yeah, everybody else kind of dropped out due to extra circumstances, which are not really that fun. So, <laughs> we were going to talk about something, but now we're going to talk about something else. But it's okay, because we have plenty of backup subjects that I think are going to entertain and enlighten. Yeah, and we can <laughs> talk all day, so it's not really an issue. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. We don't need other people. <laughs> no, no, no. All right, so Josh, you may begin. Okay, cool. So um, for today, I wanted to talk about um, four things. Uh, the first one is, what's going on with theology gaming and how do we get to where we are? It's kind of a state of the movement, so to speak. Um, then I want to get into what we're playing um, and uh, have a little bit of discussion around that. Uh, then talk about developers downsizing. Um, there's been a lot of that happening over the past year, and it's definitely worth talking about. Um, then uh, close it out with uh, the Olympics and their video games, which are often terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think that, uh, yeah, since the Olympics are going on right now in Sochi, I uh, thought that would be a good way to wrap things up. Yeah. So anyway, the, the first question is, um, Zach, where did you, how did you start Theology Gaming and where do you see it going? We'll, we'll just start with the beginning part of that question. Uh, I started Theology Gaming in my head about two years ago now? We're getting there. I was in the Boston University School of Theology writing my master's thesis and go into master's degree work. But over time, I found I don't think it was just for me. Because there's, yeah. a, there's a big difference between being a scholar and being kind of an ideas man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You get my meaning? Like, I'm not necessarily into every single intricate detail of every single subject. So I liked the big picture. I like writing about that sort of thing. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Cool. So what happened was, I was like, well, God, if you get me into graduate schools, PhD programs and stuff, I'll keep going with this. But if not, then I'll start this theology gaming idea. Because it just came upon me one day, and I said, well, blogging sounds pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a thing that people do. And, and the great thing about it is that it's been something that's been self-sustaining and keeping you very, very well financed. Uh, no. <laughs> and that is exactly not true in any way, shape, or form. And I'll say that right now. <laughs> so, yeah. And we don't have a donations box. And the reason for that is I don't feel like I should be contributed to in that way because I'm pretty, huh. quote-unquote, well-funded as it is, and I, I don't want to beg for people's money. <laughs> And do you want to share what you mean by well-funded? Uh, well, I live with my parents, so I guess that means I'm well-funded. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and mostly because I'm also starting other businesses, but that's beside the point. This this particular ministry is my thing, and they support what I'm doing, so the thing continues. That's awesome. Awesome. So um, uh, a little bit of a backstory for me, how I came into things. Um, I, uh, back, yeah, a little, around two years ago, um, I, I came across, uh, started playing just weird games that were doing things differently, like Journey, um, I finally got on the, the Braid train, um, 
And uh, there was a couple of other things that I just noticed that video games seemed like they were growing up, and I was like, all right, I want to get involved in this in some way, shape, or form as it relates to God. I don't know where, what that necessarily looks like. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and then I, I found, like, Game Church, and I saw that you were one of the contributors uh, around, uh, I guess it was a little bit uh, less than two years ago, but uh, saw that you were a contributor and just kind of started stalking on the contributors to the site, and you were the one that was the most... Just easy to talk to. Um, not not sit in, say any indictment against the other guys. Just um, you were very excited about talking more. <laughs> yeah, mostly because I had a lot of period where I was not talking to anyone about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, not too many people in theology are really interested in video games. Surprisingly enough. Yeah, that's that's kind of, and, and that's the, the probably a testimony most to our listeners. Um, <laughs> thanks, thanks, Germany. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dog. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think we have some listeners in Brazil. Is that true? I don't know. We might but, uh, know. Yeah, I, they just I, I went to our, our uh, iTunes page and it defaulted to Brazilian for some reason. I didn't understand why. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but, that's uh, me. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I you know I kind of fell in love with with you and what you were doing here with with everything in in relationship to the movement. I didn't understand what you were writing about because you you tend to be on a little bit different of a of a thought plane yeah. than me but um over time i've just you know we've, we've grown to be able to learn how to actually communicate to one another um and get on the same page and have and and, and share our interesting games and, and and as that you know naturally develops relationships um but but over time uh just seeing that a lot of other people jumped onto the train um and want to get involved in writing about this kind of stuff um and it, it didn't hurt that i met pat gann through you um, and come to find that he and I live literally in the same county. Yeah, which is surprising um, to me when I heard which, it. Which is, which is making it sound like we're a lot further apart than we actually are. Um, to really bring it down, my uh, the guy who, who kind of mentors me and some, some of my closest friends uh, go to church with his family. <laughs> oh, wow. So... So and and which is in Red Lion, which is in my town, which is just to say that that's too creepy of a coincidence to not be a godsidence. <laughs> um, so um, all that's simply to say that there's been this really awesome, awesome connections that I that I've gotten through being part of this group. Um, and uh, the thing that I love about it the most lately, that's different over the past, I, I guess, the last year, is not only our podcast. But also um, a lot of new contributors, and uh, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, then you know that we have usually a rotating cast of just new people almost every week. Yeah, people keep popping in and out, and that's great. <laughs> yeah, and and that's 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 one thing that um, you know if you're listening to this and you're thinking like you know I want to get involved with these guys, I want to be involved in what we're doing. Um, what's the best way for them to get a hold of a hold of you? Uh, I don't want to give out my personal email address because that is just not a good idea no, <laughs> on no, a podcast. But, sure. Uh, but I believe there is an email address. I'm going to go check right now. Now you fill for time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, that's always awkward. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but the, the, the one thing, I'll tell a little bit more about uh, my story and getting involved with, with, uh, with Theology Gaming. Um, I, I guess I started out just wanting to write about what I thought were really, influ- you know, just the games that, that you could play as Jesus, which, you know, is kind of a weird concept to begin with. Um, but I started with, like, Mass Effect, and can you actually play as uh, Jesus-ly in a game like that? 
And over time, I've realized that that's kind of, yeah, that's that's a weird question because there's always a yes and no. Like there's certain areas where maybe you can a little bit, and areas where you can't. Um, but over time, um, I, I've just taken much more of an interest in uh, the current movement of of games and what's happening in the news. And uh, Zach, you've dubbed me as the uh, games editor, the what is it, the the news editor yeah, for which may have been a title I dubbed you with far too soon. <laughs> Which, which I, I I I liked, except for the fact that it's just a lot for me to keep up when it's not you know when I'm doing so many other things and have so many other ministry related things. If I was doing. paying people to do it, it'd be easier. But well, yeah, yeah. I mean that and that and that's sort of a thing that that's I don't know how realistic that is um, in in any in any kind of writing venue. Um, but I mean, obviously, you have news sites, video game news sites, who who do it. So, um, in which I would assume that there's some transference of, of yeah. payment. I would never, ever consider even thinking about writing something for, like, IGN without them paying me. <laughs> um, that, that's also because I, I, I think of them as a source for um, publicity, not necessarily a source for moving the medium forward. They're kind of like the, the, the vanilla of games writing for me. <laughs> <laughs> like a newspaper. Yeah, they're they're like a newspaper. They're like the big guy on the block that everyone knows, and not everyone really has the highest or highest things to say about them. <laughs> I, I know that's a little bit rude. I apologize, but the, no, that like like, but yeah, if, if Polygon asked me to write for them, I'd, I'd probably be a lot more for it, just because I, I I highly respect what they do. But the the the, the bigger issue is um, just about uh, co- contributions and what we talk about on Theology Gaming really diverges from author to author. Like, I would love to just write about, like, what's going on presently um, and what what uh, is influential right now, this week, at this time. Um, and probably the easiest way to do that is just have, like, short little shows like this where we talk in between, you know, just give a brief discussion about um, what's going on. And we'll do that in a little bit. Yeah, okay, so email address. There's two... I'm going to check both of them as much as I can. Uh, questions at theologygaming.com, which is kind of obvious, and submissions at theologygaming.com. One nice. is for one purpose and one is for the other. I think you can pretty much guess. Yeah, yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Um, and So, yeah, if you, want to, if you want to contribute, go ahead and check out the submissions um, and uh, just send a message to Zach. Yeah. My guidelines aren't really that rigorous. Yeah, so yeah. Don't worry about it. That's all right. So um, I think that's a good segue to our next question, which is, uh, what are you playing? Uh, I'm playing mostly King of Fighters. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. That's true. <laughs> I think I think that that could end up ruining our show because yeah. that's all you play now. <laughs> it's, it's not intentionally that that's all I play. It's, no, I understand. It's me wanting to be confident. In most most games. video game podcasts have this problem where one of the one of the contributors end up getting really into a particular game, usually something like Spelunky, um, <laughs> but. Uh, then, then whenever they're like getting to their "What are you playing?" segment, uh, they kind of just skip that guy. <laughs> oh, you're just playing Dota again? Forget you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also partly because the Olympics are on, and I don't yeah. have time to play anything else. So, I because just... you're watching the Olympics that intensely. Uh, yeah, well, when you watch the primetime coverage, it's three and a half hours of your life. Oh, I didn't realize that. I, I'm, I'm, that shows how much, how little I've been paying attention to the Olympics. <laughs> it's this actually primetime too. Huh. Yeah, I guess yeah, that I guess there's a lot more than that going on too, huh? And then add on to that, I watch American Idol. This is my, <laughs> my and I wouldn't this call is, it my secret shame, but I enjoy American Idol, so Yeah, well you you, you were a participant, right? You uh, you uh I you try try to get yeah. And fail. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. What did, what did you sing? 
a Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh wow! <laughs> it didn't work out. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm not. Did, very you, good did you sing all of the parts? Uh, <laughs> no, they give you like a little sheet, and you kind of sing for like a minute, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, in front of like a vocal coach or something. I think huh. this is, this was in Walt Disney World, so this process is different than the actual audition. Which oh, okay. I hear is much more harrowing and stressful. Huh. But uh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, what, what 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 are you besides that? What are you playing? I have a feeling that you've been playing something else. Uh, I was gonna try to play Persona Four, but that will be next week because yeah. the Olympics will be over. Thank God. <laughs> and <laughs> I am playing a game that you bought me. Yeah. Well, you don't need to tell people that. You just totally stole my heavenly reward. <laughs> one dollar. It was one dollar, but you know what? One dollar is better than nothing. That's for sure. It's, it's a pretty good game for a dollar. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> and the game is Savant colon Ascent. Yes. You don't have to say the colon, though. I think that's silent. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I don't know if the pause comes through. Yeah, yeah. But now it sounds like some kind of um, bizarre surgery, now that I'm thinking yeah, about it. Yeah, that's true. Um, so describe what the game is. The game is what I would call a Robotron-esque shooter. But in this case, most people call them twin-stick shooters because, um, what is it, Geometry Wars kind of popularized this whole thing? Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, and, and there's been a lot of games in the genre, but it, which at least at the very minimum describes how you're going to be playing it if you use a controller. Yeah, it, basically it's a twin-stick shooter. But this one is, to me, very interesting because it looks awesome, for one. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, If you like 2D sprite art, you will love this. And second, it's a pretty challenging game overall. Yeah. So it's mostly a game about just managing space. There's enemies coming from all sides. You have to manage your inventory of how you want to shoot. You you can dodge between two different points and also jump dodge. And this helps you avoid stuff. And you have a super meter that builds up a special shot up to five levels. And it gets stronger and stronger depending on actions that you take and upgrades that you get from killing certain enemies, and that and, sort of thing. And you also are an alchemist with a Guy Fawkes mask. Yes, and that part is great, too. <laughs> and and who, who apparently, in his Renaissance uh, time frame, alternate Renaissance, the the music of choice is dubstep. Yes, wub 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 wub, and wub 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 wubs <laughs> happen the whole entire game. <laughs> yeah, 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 unless, wub, unless wub, you wub. unlock one of the other uh, music tracks in which it suddenly becomes like polka, um, <laughs> chip tune, wub wub wub. Oh. Yeah, did you did you have that experience where it like suddenly like shifts to like a a, a slightly unfitting musical yeah, genre? Yeah, it goes all over the place. Yeah. Okay, just um, uh, pro tip: if you pause the game in the middle, you can select what track plays during oh. the game. Oh, that's useful. Yeah, it's weird. I didn't know that at first, but yeah, well, it seems it's very musically centric for a game that doesn't really. Um, have a mechanical quality to the music. Yeah, which actually makes me really happy, because I don't think any music game has really kind of went, here is music, and we've captured it, right? In a mechanical way. I think it's better just to kind of let it fit into the aesthetics and the mechanics in a natural way, because I I think the wub-wub-wubs actually enhance the game. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. Intense. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me, that definitely added something to... uh, to Saints Row 4, when you got the dubstep gun. Did, did, did you did you see this announcement for this game called Chroma, which is coming out by uh, the um, by Harmonix, which is yeah, kind of... Yeah, I heard about that. It's like mixing, um, at least in the trailer that they showed so far, you're you're literally fighting with, with like, dubstep. 
only only there's it's like a mixture between rock band and uh, first person shooter arena shooters, which I don't understand at all, and I don't think anyone is going to understand until they actually like can play it. Yeah, because my first thought is like Guitar Hero Rock Band, and I don't really get that in a in a shooting game. <laughs> you, you you mean uh, Rock Band Call of Duty or something like that? Yeah, like I don't. So what is the point of the music? I think is really yeah funny. yeah well and that and that's and that. That's the curiosity is like because in in the press release they were saying that there's um, the capacity not only for you to create a dubstep uh, army but also to be uh, a squad based on improvisational jazz. So <laughs> your 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 four man team who's uh, improvisational jazz musicians are going to fight the dubstep guys who are going to also be fighting the um, classical trio. So I I don't I don't understand how that is going to work. From like uh so so you're lining up your shots and you're also getting like a uh, a rock band uh, timeline and you have to hit the buttons at the right time. I have no idea how that. It's the Miles <laughs> Davis smooth jazz mob. That's my group. <laughs> We're going for it, man. Oh man, that'd be awesome. The army of cool. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. Actually, I, I would be all for that. If that if that's really something that you can do in the game, that would be really great. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um. But back back to Savant Ascent. Uh, I I haven't I haven't beaten it yet, but it's very short, um, and and that's one thing that really surprised me about it was mm. it was originally de- developed for for mobile, um, which or maybe not originally developed, but it definitely um, released almost simultaneously for mobile and for uh, PC, mm. um, and and it was oriented for um, just having a very quick pick-up-and-play kind of kind of approach to it. Yeah, and I needed something like this, really. Yeah, yeah. And that's and that's the one thing that, that's really great about it, is that you can get into, like, tense uh, action with without a, a huge level of learning a ton of visual languages. Yeah, I, I, I do like the game. I think after you beat the story mode is when it starts getting into really figuring out how the game actually works. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I realize each time that I've played it, um, it, it it feels like I'm learning something new. Yeah, because I beat the game, right? And beating the game really isn't the end of the game, because endless mode is, seems to be where it's at to me. Yeah, and that, and that seems to be the way it is with a lot of uh, mobile-centric games is yeah. that, that offer a, a good challenging difficulty is um, here's here's the main campaign, if there is one, and then the endless is where the real, show, the real party's at. Yeah, and it gets so. crazy. Yeah. I can get cool. to about two and a half minutes. And then oh, wow. die really fast. Yeah. Yeah. When they start sending like three worms or four worms at you yeah, at the same time, the, the, the worms like, are the worst. Yeah. They send like a whole screen of them at you, and it's like, okay, I think I'm just gonna die now. Yeah. I, it, it gets weird trying to figure out how to dodge those things. But uh, yeah, do you mind if I if I jump to the game that I want to talk about? Yeah. Just one more thing. The only thing sure. I don't like about Savant Ascent is the uh, forced gated ability unlockage. That's not really a word. Unlockage. Uh, well, yeah. Well, the, I get what you're saying. the The implications to that are that it's not necessary. It's, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't really get in the way of anything. It's just not. Well, yeah, it, it actually does impede your progress if you can't like just play the game for the first time and have all of your abilities. Well, at least for one ability, you basically need it to finish the game. So if you don't have it, you can't win. Oh, which one's that? It's the one with the power shot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You need you need the power shot. I think you kind of get it by default eventually, but hmm. it's just kind of strange <laughs> yeah yeah hmm. i don't know so uh 
the game that the game that I'm I've, I've been playing like I've I've been playing way too many things as usual. Um, but not just just jumping from one thing to the other. There's a new Humble Bundle this week, Humble Bundle Eleven, which has some of my favorite games that I played from last year. Huzzah. Yeah, like Guacamelee and uh, the Swapper. Yeah, buy the bundle. In, yeah, no. Honestly, if you if you don't have any, uh, if you if you have any kind of computer, um, then you should get this this bundle. Uh, but the so I, I tried out Gianna Sisters, and that was that was uh, probably make you cringe um, really? because the, yeah, well the the platforming in it is is Everyone very tells very. Tells me it's good, and it's like the best platformer of recent years. No, don't don't listen to that. <laughs> um, it's 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 got some cool ideas, but it doesn't actually. It doesn't have the the friction that you need for a good platformer like Mario. Does it remind you of Little Big Planet? Oh, a little bit, yeah. Oh, ew. ew. It, there's no, there's no, there's no field swapping. But the and anyway, the, those are those are just some games that I, that have been watched. This one, uh, Savannah Scent came out. This uh, came, was super uh, cheap earlier this week, so that's why I wanted to get it for you and I bought it for myself. Um, and uh, also got uh, Alpha Protocol. And I'll probably talk about that another time. Um, but the one that I, I'm really, really excited about, and the game that I, I want to talk about is called uh, Sang Froid, which better better way of wording it is uh, Sang Freud, is how it's spelled, Sang Freud. Um, or Sang Froid, A Tale of Werewolves, which is just... It's such um, a great title. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of obvious that it, it has a lot to do with French Canadians, uh, who, and, but specifically French Canadians who have probably lumberjack in their ancestry. Uh, because the, the game the game takes place in an alternate nineteenth uh, uh, century, so like eighteen fifty nine, I believe it's like the de- the December of eighteen fifty nine, over uh, like a a twenty day period leading up to Christmas, um, which is uh, a very strange form of Advent in which you have to survive against a torrent of werewolves. Um, <laughs> this is so bizarre. <laughs> Uh, man, video games are great. Yeah, that's true. Um, but the the thing that I love about it, and I'm not like a planner. Like you ask my wife, she'll tell you that Josh sucks at planning things. Uh, <laughs> but this one is actually the most fun I've ever had planning because you kind of just design how you want your strategy to go down, and then you get on, then you get um, on your feet um, and go outside of your your the comfort of your of your uh, lodge. And have to make sure that you trigger all the traps specifically with your uh, rifle, which takes an ungodly amount of time to reload. Because this is this is back when technology wasn't very much up to snuff for for guns. So um, there's huge huge tension on just about everything because you're always under equipped. You know how like in other games you get a uh, other games you get like abilities like in Borderlands you get your special abilities that have like a I don't know 10, 15 second cooldown. Yeah. Um, in this one, you you have uh, pretty early on the ability to shout, which can draw um, all the wolves to your location and slightly intimidate them. But the cooldown for that, uh, after your first power up, or your which which reduces your cooldown, it's only three minutes. So <laughs> <laughs> three minutes. Yeah, yeah. So all all of your abilities in this game are very very uh, tense because you don't have a lot of them. Uh, and and so like if you're really really well stocked for a match, you'll have like a, an amazing amount of bullets, like ten. <laughs> all ten of them. All ten of them. And uh, you'll have like a certain number of traps, and you'll have a certain number of uh, contraptions that help you to defend yourself against 
the, the, the constantly scaling werewolves, but the tension, the ten, and, and it's not just werewolves, it's all kinds of wolf-related uh, monstrosities, uh, and the plot deals with all these strange things of, like, uh, the Lord, the Devil, and werewolves, and it just has this strange folk tale, like, that's kind of rooted in reality a little bit, a little bit, but it's obvious that their uh, cosmology isn't necessarily fully up to snuff, considering um, you do have to pay the the um, the sister in the convent to give you uh, uh, the holy bullets. <laughs> they're they're Not ten silver cents. Bullets? This is weird. Well, no, you get you can get silver bullets, but they come later, and oh, those okay. yeah, and that's when you. Uh, get further into the game, because, you know, silver bullets are really hard to come by. <laughs> but yeah, it's weird, because, like, the, the currency in the game, like, you, you make money as you, you know, you can sell the pelts of all the, the, the creatures you kill, yeah. um, but they, the, the money, so, if you want to have, if you want to get really, really, really rich in this game, there's an achievement for if you get a whole $16. Um, <laughs> so, most everything in the game is, like, pennies. Um, <laughs> So, like, ten cents for a silver bullet is a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> so, the reason why it's called Sangfra is, uh, that means, uh, basically being cool, cool-hearted, uh, cool-minded in this, in the face of great, great danger. So, if you like, uh, if you, if I were to undersell this game, I'd call it a tower defense. Um, and that's, and that's not, that's not entirely accurate, because it's much more about executing a, a well-crafted plan and the tension of just everything coming together. And you can't just fight like you can in uh, an action tower defense like uh, Orcs Must Die or... Uh, Dungeon Defenders? Sanctum. Dungeon Defenders. Yeah, that's a really good Sanctum example. Sanctum is a good idea, I guess, too. Yeah. So, in, in all those games, you can basically just fight against the horde that comes against you. But um, in this one, you really needed to, to, to come up with a really tight well thought out plan and uh the the planning stage in it is the closest game that i can compare it to is something like uh something like xcom which is much more tactical and and turn to turn based but this is you set up your plan then you go into the then you go onto the field and see how your plan works based on your competency to respond to everything on your field is this in real time the whole thing the well the planning is is paused okay um and and you have basically conceptually all day to plan for for the evening um but then once once you commit to nighttime it's nighttime um and if you fail you can go back to the planning phase beforehand and and rethink your plan which is helpful um, okay because you're going to fail a lot (laughs) um and, and you're going to learn how to use your tools to the best of their ability and and some of the some of the tools are really really um smart like you have to get all of to to, to trigger a spike trap which just kind of like shoves spikes through the ground straight into whatever's on top of them you have to have three enemies on it and if you're on there too you're gonna die (laughs) so you have you have to lure them onto it and then get off and hope that they all all three of the enemies get on there and trigger it at the same time and and also like all the uh the net traps like there's net traps which are one of the cheapest and best best weapons and in any other like game net traps are dumb but for some reason you having you having to get like at a right angle and then and the enemies not see you and you shoot the trap right as they all get underneath it to trigger it and kill them it just it just adds so much more to it than than anything else the only thing that i would give as a caveat to sangfra 
is that there's uh, some technical hiccups. Um, it takes like a crazy. It takes like three minutes for the game to start, um, but that's okay because the soundtrack is amazing, and you get to listen to um, 18th century lumberjacks singing you lullabies, which <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a great soundtrack. Which which makes it pretty awesome. Yeah. So anyway, I've talked a lot about that game. Um, but yeah, Sangfra, I, I believe that for the rest of February, it's still a part of the Indie Gala. Um, I could be wrong, but if you are listening to this, definitely get to the Indie Gala website right now and see if you can get in on that bundle. Cause, I think it's for one more day, so that uh, would be for, yeah. Yeah. for our listeners. You will for our listeners, yeah, you're not going to yeah, I'm sorry, guys. Um, just add it to your Steam wish list because it's, it's, even though it might not look like it's your thing, like the, the assets aren't the most professionally, masterfully done. Uh, some of them are. Some of the art is amazing, and some of the art isn't, isn't as amazing. Um, but uh, don't let any of that intimidate you, because if you like a tense, fascinating core game, this, this one is for you. Yeah. So, I think that's sufficient. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So, um, devs downsizing. Yeah. Want to talk about that? Lots of that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess I'll give, I'll give a, a brief introduction to that. Um, just in the last two weeks, we've had two major developers either downsize or completely take their game down off the internet. Um, the first one is, yeah, yeah. So um, the first one is, uh, and pro- maybe maybe perhaps more fam- famously, which is weird, um, is the Flappy Birds developer uh, Don Nguyen, uh dr- basically just took his game Flappy Birds off the internet and said. I don't want people to be able to buy this anymore. It's too addictive, and I, I can't stand all the, the 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 attention, both positive and negative, that it's getting. I just want to make a game that that is adding to people's life, not taking it away. Um, and, and that's not that's not quote for quote, but that's kind of the concept behind why he took it off the internet. Yeah, because people liked Flappy Bird too much, so he took it off. Yeah, yeah, which is really weird because I mean, he was making off of a, a game that sells for free. Um, he was making 50, like, I heard figures that were saying that he was making, like, 50k a day, which... Why would you ever get rid of Flappy Bird at that th- point? This, this, is, this is the strangest thing in the world, considering every other game developer in, in the universe is like, my game is making money, That's which, which doesn't often happen, in, in, d- despite what people think, that doesn't often happen in the, the world of game development. No. <laughs> <laughs> and so he... It's like, no, I don't want people to, to, to get my game. I don't want them to, to play it, even though most of them don't have to pay. Um, it's just it's just an odd, odd situation. I can't begin to, to consider why he would have done this, but why do you think that, that someone would, would want to take a, their successful game off of the Internet, Zach? Uh, in his own words, I can call Flappy Bird is a success of mine, but it also ruins my simple life, so now I hate it. <laughs> That's actually a pretty interesting way of putting it, considering um, it's like you're you're nobody and you enjoy being nobody. Like you don't you don't want to be famous, right? Yeah. Like like Jesus doesn't call us to live a life of of uh, fame and rock star status. Although that could happen. That 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 could happen if you're if you're a megachurch pastor. So be careful, megachurch pastors. <laughs> be careful. <laughs> you could become famous. Watch out. <laughs> but. uh... Yeah, the the simplicity of life is is definitely um, yeah. I can't imagine because this guy just went from being basically no one to Flappy Birds was only actually like 
popular for two weeks. Yeah, it was out for over a year, though, I think. So oh, really? That, yeah. Uh, I guess Since I didn't. Since May of last year, I want to say. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It's yeah, one of those so... weird stories where something becomes really popular months and months after it was actually released. Yeah, yeah. I think that had something to do with, like, BuzzFeed or something. I think there was a BuzzFeed article about the game. It was, like, um, basically saying, like, the game's dumb, but I can't stop playing. And everyone, <laughs> everyone, because BuzzFeed is such a, such a um, uh, fan monger, I don't know the right word. Just, the, just they, they just, like, try to get people, they, they, they have the, hi- the headlines that make people want to click on things. <laughs> BuzzFeed is, like, a bunch of sentences interspersed with images. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in in any case, so that that got a crazy amount of response, and you know when when, when a a game starts snowballing like that, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger before it it crashes into something. Yeah, and before you know it, somebody is looking at it and saying those pipes look a lot like Nintendo pipes. Yeah, and that was the the suspicion that the game was taken down because uh, people thought that Nintendo was like, all right, cease and desist. Yeah, but they didn't really. They can't really copyright the idea of a pipe, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you can make it look like it, but they can't really say you're taking our intellectual property by making pipes that hurt people. Sure. Yeah. So. Um, oh, the uh, other thing is that yeah. some guy replied to this tweet that he said, and he said, "You should hire a PR agency for the media work. Maybe you already did." And his response to that was, I won't. The PR will make me not an indie game maker anymore. That's a fascinating response. Yeah. <laughs> I was a little confused by that. Yeah. Um, and, that, and, that's, yeah and that just shows that there's, there's diversity of strange mindsets within uh, any developers. That um, what makes a person indie, uh, as, we, as we discussed on, on previous, yeah. uh, previous episodes, that um, there's... A diversity of what indie means to one person and to the next, uh, especially considering uh, to one person that means I'm just by myself, uh, which probably isn't a good mindset, um, to I'm making a game mostly by myself and I don't have a publisher, to if I have a, with, with Don Nguyen's response of, I need, if I have a PR guy, I'm, I'm selling out or something, I don't but if you have millions understand. of dollars, you're not selling out. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like a PR person, <laughs> the, the the biggest problem is that like with a game like Song for All, for example, um, had had terrible PR. Like they they didn't they didn't even get the game to most most of, uh, games publications to get for a review. Um, so there's only like maybe like five reviews on Metacritic right now. Huh, really. Um, and, and there's pro- there's maybe a little bit more than that, but like there, that's a common problem for indie game developers is that you could have a fantastic game, but unless it has exposure, um, it's it's not going to do very well. And that's very hard for any developers to do because they just want to make games. They don't want to have to go out there and and put the, their their feet feet to people's throats and say, "Hey, review my game." Yeah, but um, you kind of have to be that guy. Yeah, a little bit, and that's why, and that's actually a good segue for why we need a holes. Um, <laughs> why? What, there, well, there, there's a lot of discussion about why you need to be kind of an a hole to uh, make games successful, and that's uh, a good side note for Ken Levine, who kind of has a reputation for being as such. Um, that he's the guy who has all the vision, quote unquote, and all the the the, the passion to make big games like Bioshock successful. Yeah. Um, and uh, for those for those not in the know, uh, this week 
there was an announcement that Ken Levine's uh, game studio, Irrational Games, which is in, I believe they're in Boston, um, is shutting down 95% of its staff. They didn't use this figure because they didn't want to tell people how, how bad the, fire, the, the layoff is. It's pretty bad. But um, they're reducing the team to 15 people and, and Ken Levine. And the reason why, it seems, is because uh, Ken Levine is such an auteur that he uh, said he wanted to do this. And they were like, all right. <laughs> yeah, okay, and now we were going to, quote, unquote, relocate the rest of the employees, which is a nice little euphemism for laying off. Yeah, yeah, which, which is not fun for anybody, but the entire video game industry, despite what people think, uh, the, when you spend time uh, kind of covering game development studios and looking at who are the people actually making these games... More often than not, the people who are doing all the really hard grunt work of making a game, you know, putting the code together, putting the the models together, and actually making the game assets, uh, those guys don't get treated very well. Um, especially when they're on they're in they're in a huge team. I mean, yeah, they might get paid okay, uh, but they're they're usually just kind of relegated to whenever even a successful game like Bioshock Infinite, which we all think is successful, which probably it. We, it probably still hasn't quite made up all of its money um, for what they put into that game. Not, not even close. <laughs> from what yeah. I tell. I did a bunch of research on this, actually. Oh, okay, tell, so, tell, tell, tell. Okay, so basically, Bioshock Infinite cost somewhere in the absurd amount of money, mostly due to lengthy development cycle. It was announced... I heard, I heard $200 million. It was announced in 2010, I think, right? And before well, that, yeah. they were working on it for two and a half years? Yeah. As a secret project. And then yeah. it came out in 2013, March-ish. So, yeah. So think of it that way. First of all, Ken Levin, he went Levine. into the, yeah, he, Levine, he went into the original Bioshock with a plan. So there was a distinct idea of what was going to happen, but the two and a half years of Bioshock Infinite develop are a lot like kind of just throwing ideas on the wall and then just kind of taking all the ideas and shoving them into the game. Hmm. There's not, there wasn't really a plan because it's kind of the same situation that happened to a lot of, you know, direct movie directors that yeah. got really popular or really famous. Francis Ford Coppola, for example, right? He made the Godfather. He made apocalypse. Now he could do no wrong. And then there was, then, then they basically, they said, you can have unlimited amounts of money and do yeah. whatever you want. And then you get box office failures that's like what? Like what? Uh, I'm thinking of Michael Cimino. He was a well-known director. He's almost unknown right now, mm-hmm. but he gained a reputation for famous films, and people were like, "Well, he can like have what? as much money as he wants. He can have forty million dollars in the 1970s to make his film Heaven's Gate, uh, which only made three million back." Yeah. So that's a pretty heavy investment. And yeah. Uh, yeah. But I don't think Bioshock Infinite is quite as bad. But No, no. If, yeah. If in any event, as far as I can tell, Bioshock Infinite probably broke even for 2K games. Yeah. Which is not, not good. Yeah. And that, that basically means that the investment was a failure. Yeah, pretty much. Um, for, for anybody who's, who's not in, in, into uh, game investment statistics. But yeah, game, games, movies... Um, there's, there's a, they're basically very, very, very high risk investments. And, uh, that's why you start seeing big, the bigger the game gets, the more safe a company plays with, with, uh, the the, the content. Um, and so like, 
the the religious criticisms within Bioshock Infinite that could have been could have been like really thoughtful or are not or, yeah there, there's there's no nuance to them whatsoever it's just a caricature um, that you could find on um, maybe like Reddit's atheist uh, subreddit you know because it's just, there's just no there's no nuance and there's no real articulation of any kind of real expression of faith it's just like here's what what how how bad things are or could be. Um, in an alternate 1912. <laughs> uh, any, anyway, um, so th- those are those, the, the point with with Ken Levine's downsizing in, is that there's a lot of people who lost their jobs and a celebration of celebrity, which is the concept that like it's Ken Levine, he's the one who made all made Bioshock, which isn't even remotely true, um, considering uh, the the hundred probably hundreds. Of people who worked on that game, and I know a ton of developers, like uh, Steve Gaynor, who made Gone Home. Like he was working on Bioshock, uh, Bioshock Infinite, um, before he started working on Gone Home, which shows you that. And Gone Home came out like just shortly after Bioshock Infinite, which gives you an idea that this game was in develop for in development for a long time, and a lot of hands touched it. Yeah, it's it's not like Duke Nukem Forever long, but yeah. <laughs> It's a pretty long Nothing development is. cycle for a triple A game with lots of marketing push and uh, an unlimited yeah. budget, basically. And this this is also a good a good point to talk about. Um, just a lot of developers that have been backing out of of game development in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, Cliff Blazinski um, is back. He he says he's never going to make another disc based game ever. I don't I don't think that that means that he's backing out of games. Like I I don't think that he can back out of games. I think that just means that he no, as far he as wants to make a digitally distributed first person sh- arena shooter. Yeah. Which I'm saying yes, go do that. Yeah, and and digital distribution in in my mind is is the future. Um, but uh, when it comes to other forms of e- e- this, that doesn't mean that just because you're making digital games that, that you're going to be happy. No. Uh, for example, um, uh, Bioware, the the, the 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 company who became made uh, the first ever in my mind super duper awesome uh, Star Wars game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yes, Rogue, Rogue Squadron came out before that, but um, the the game Knights uh, of the Old Republic. Um, in my mind, was pretty good. Like, yeah, it was just a, a fantastic RPG, and, and showed what what RPGs could even become. And, and of course, Mass Effect wouldn't even be possible without that. But the two doctors who started Bioware uh, after the negative response to uh, all all of fan reactions to Mass Effect 3's ending, and after the response to um, people not really getting into the Old Republic, which is the the Star Wars. MMO, um, all of that, it was like, they're like, we're sick of this, we're just going to go make beer. <laughs> which which is literally what they did. They're like, we're just going to open up a craft brewery, and we're not going to worry about video games anymore. Which is nice. I mean, they have their millions of dollars, so I, I yeah. guess they're okay with it. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd hope so. Um, but it's just a strange notion, because I mean, like, you would imagine that if you are really excited about making games, that you would just keep making them or something, but... um. Another another person who I'm sure that that you'll have a lot to say about this one, uh, Phil Fish. Uh, Phil Fish. He he, uh, the creator of Fez, um, who got a t- way too much attention for making Fez, um, b- became like a diva overnight, and uh, was was one of the stars of stars quote unquote of indie game the movie. Um, he 
through very vitriolic language, announced that he was going to be quitting making game. He, he canceled Fez 2 and said, uh, you guys, you guys, aka critics, win, um, I'm quitting. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, okay, oh, life will go on, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and which, which is, you know, we're not, we're not gonna, it's, the world's not gonna end. But, it's just a strange thing to see that, like, due to negative fan reaction, there's a lot of people who are quitting making games. Um, and there are a lot of people making games now, obviously. I mean, yeah, there's, like, too yeah. many indie titles to list. <laughs> yeah, there really is. Um, if, if, since I've been following games, I've realized that, like, you literally can't track everything that's coming out. Um, and it's, it's completely impossible to actually play everything. Like, like, even people who are paid to do that for a living, uh, all five of them, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we don't need them because everybody writes about them for free. That's the problem. Yeah, that makes that makes games writing uh, not very profitable. So, uh, side note: um, if you want to make a career in video games, uh, you're not going to be able to feed yourself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, not necessarily true. It depends. No, that's that. Yeah, that's not not necessarily true. Now, but digital if, if distribution you're... makes it so that everybody can make money. So, right. assuming that you're going through Steam, right? Valve takes 30% off the top, which is still really good for a publishing yeah. deal. So, just just to give you a little context, right? And probably part of the reason why Ken Levine is doing that instead of being released by 2K Games to do his own thing is that Gone Home made a ton of money, considering the budget, probably. Yeah. So, so And they only had four people. Yeah. And, and they, they literally made the game based off of their savings. So, like... You have, you have to have an understanding of how what the kind of development that development looked like. So these guys worked in other games. They saved a ton of money, enough to be self-sustaining for basically a year and a half. And then they spent that year and a half making this game, living off of their savings, which is a scary thing to do if, you, if you've ever just lived off of savings before. So how much money did they have? Do you know? Um, basically just enough for... I, I, don't, I don't know how much money they, they had per... In, in number value, I just know that all of them were living off of their savings. Yeah, so obviously the return on their investment is huge because, according to them, they've sold about two hundred and fifty thousand copies. Mm-hmm. And if you think on the average, twenty bucks a piece, right? Yeah. Assuming most of those were through Steam, just this is just for guesstimating, right? Yeah. They made about five million dollars. Yeah. And then if you take Valve's cut, which is a million and a half, you're still left with three and a half million dollars. Yeah, Which so that's pretty the, good for three or four people. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and as with most indies, there will be continual slow burn. Um, also, one thing that's really noteworthy is Steve Gaynor gave a speech. I can't remember where it was. I I can't remember what event it was, but he he was talking about how the next generation or next sequence of indie game developers are going to have it a lot harder than he did because the, the the indie game market is getting way more saturated and you can't do the same thing over and over and over again like the if you if you spend spent any time with gone home you'll realize that almost every design choice made for that game is very specifically tailored to that game so without it's, it's not like you can just make a cookie cutter of all right we, we made gone, gone home we're gonna make another gone home too um, and <laughs> like the, the the surprises and and the the the, the place of where the game takes place in the early 90s before cell phones makes the, the tactile requirement of, of notes and things along those lines. Hmm. You're, not, you're not easily capable of, of just reproducing that kind of thing. So when 
if if you play a game and you're like, I want to make this game too, um, you might want to think about the fact that perhaps the game that you want to make was specifically for that time. Like, uh, you could perhaps make a a, a Mega Man like now, um, but if you made another Mega Man game in 1989 after there was already three of them out, the likelihood of it being any better than them is really slim or innovating in any way. It's, yeah. Yeah, you just stop. <laughs> Make something else. So you, you get you get where I'm saying. Yeah, and like indie platformer, I mean, that's pretty much synonymous now with the quote-unquote genre. Yeah, and, and there's some there's some really good ones out there, um, but being able to make a new one that that hasn't touched on anything that's already been done. Yeah, like, tough. Um, just in this in, in the present humble bundle, um, there's uh, at least two games where you're dimension swapping, um, and and on two D side scroller. So like the aspect of of dimension swapping and going from one one world to another just by a button press has been done a surprisingly amount, large amount of times. Even though you might you, some of our listeners have maybe never played a game like that, it's important to know what other people are doing so that you don't look like ideas. Yeah, ideas are pretty, you know, a lot of people have the same ideas at the same time. Your, your ideas probably aren't as unique as you think they are. Yeah, well, everything has been done before. <laughs> yeah, and well, yeah, and that's, and that's what Solomon said, you know, everything under the sun. Um, I can't remember the exact exact verse, but um, yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, everything, everything under the sun has been done before. Yeah, and the one last thing I wanted to talk sure. about is that more than likely the triple A game market is not going to last very much longer. So I think there really is a shift for developers and companies alike to kind of get into the indie game pie. With yeah, the to get to downsize and yeah. and be able to focus on just a tight. What is the core of this? Instead of let's draw a really overblown narrative that involves time dimension swapping and yeah. Get super convoluted. <laughs> and then you can kind of get the quality and polish you come to expect from AAA games, right? Well, yeah. In, in a sense, except targeted to a different demographic. Yeah. So uh, that's my thought on Ken Levine and the Irrational Games thing, is that 2K Games wants to get into this, or Take-Two Interactive, which is kind of owns them. So yeah. So they can yeah. rely on Grand Theft Auto Five, and they don't have to really worry about Bioshock anymore. You know, they can make yeah. one more Bioshock game, and it's going to be like a cash cow, right? It'll probably yeah. be awful. We all know this. <laughs> well, they, I mean, honestly, if they just keep making basically the the DLC like content of uh, Bioshock Infinite's burial at sea, episode one and two, honestly, I think that would keep fans pretty satisfied, uh, yeah. or at least it seems to. I mean, they they seem like very fan servicey to begin with, <laughs> um, but. Um, if you make standalone DLC, honestly, I think that's where, like, uh, recently Activision, or not Activision, uh, Ubisoft released um, some of uh, some of uh, Assassin's Creed 4's uh, downloadable content uh, as a standalone, which oh, yeah. which isn't, might not look like a huge, that's not like huge title headline material, but it, it kind of is, considering the model of, so here's a $15 game by itself, if you didn't get to play all of uh, the main game, you can just play this. It's only three hours, it's or five or six hours, whatever. Um, you don't have to pay $60, and you get a very similar experience um, that you can uh, appreciate by itself. And uh, Ubisoft's been doing this already with like Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon. Like I played Blood Dragon before I played Far Cry 3, and honestly, I don't feel like I necessarily needed to play Far Cry 3. 
no, oh. not really. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't really need to play it now that I play Yeah, Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah, and and that, it's nice. It's like, I got my fill, I'm good. Yeah. So I think that model is something that um, you're going to see a lot more of, and Ubisoft uh, tends to be a little bit more of the innovator of the AAA. Um, just from my observation, that's, yeah. that, that's just my, my sense. Yeah, way. yeah, they've been, they, they've actually done a pretty good job of um, filling up the the, the, the quote unquote indie games. Of course, when you're published by Ubisoft, you're not an indie. Um, <laughs> uh, that's my definition right there. But the the point being that like. They, they've released a number of $15 games that are, are fantastic. Like, I would never pay $60 for um, another Call of Juarez game if I didn't know that Gunslinger was phenomenal. I would, I, I probably wouldn't have spent uh, even 40 or $20 on it, but for $15 downloadable title, I, I bought that and, and was able to really, really appreciate it. Yeah. It's a pretty great game, so... Yeah. So, um... Anyway, I think that, that that wraps up the devs downsizing. Um, yeah. But uh, sorry, we went that. Uh, we'll probably call the episode that or something. Because yeah. um, we'll that, 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 that was that, that probably was more of our focus this time around. Um, actually, just to wrap that up real quick, uh, if you want to be a game developer, you can make money. I, I, I apologize for saying that you can't make money and can't do it, um, but it is going to be challenging. And as we discussed in our um, uh, conversation with Christian game developers last episode, um, it's always count the cost before you go to war. Um, you, you, it's, it's going to be challenging, but know what's out there. So, uh, and, know, and know that game development is not uh, the, the solve all. Oh, uh, last night, um, my wife had her, uh, her cell group, um, and I talked to one of the girls afterwards about, uh, she was, we, we were asking her to move like a chair, and she's like, I can't wait to be a game developer, so I don't have to do this crap anymore. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and, and I thought it was really, I thought it was cute because, you know, here's this 15-year-old girl who thinks that um, she's not going to have to take care of her house because she's going to be a game designer. Yeah, it's just magically <laughs> going to work out here. Um, so, uh, realistic expectations is very important. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, um, and the last, epi- the, the last subject for our show today, uh, of the Olympics. And maybe we talked a little bit about their video games. So, yeah. so Zach, you seem to be really into the Olympics this time around. How Family come? tradition, mostly. Oh, really? But I've been basically watching them since whenever I had any cognizance of what exactly the Olympics are. Yeah. yeah. And I realize there's a lot of problems surrounding the Olympics and that sort of thing. But it's mostly about the spirit of competition and kind of people getting together and proving who's the best. Which yeah. is pretty awesome. Like the Hunger Games. Yeah. Well, Only nobody dies. Yeah. Which, is, which makes it... Not as interesting to me. Yeah, and it's mostly about women's figure skating anyway, so... Is it really? The way. What? <laughs> is it really more about women's figure skating? They keep calling it the crown jewel of the Winter Games, so... Why? Because everybody watches it. See, that's... See, honestly, like, I, I don't... I wouldn't pay for it, but I would I would be very intrigued by a, a women's figure skating video game. Yeah, and not one that required you to kind of... Oh, we're doing the jump, now press the buttons to do the spins. Yeah, yeah. So, that's that's a good a good point to bring up. How many, how many... Have you played a lot of uh, Winter Olympic video games? I played some summer ones. I don't think I've ever played a winter one. Oh, okay. And if I have, it was awful, and I don't want to remember it. Yeah, I, I, I remember Nagano 98 uh, <laughs> was the last Olympics video game which I played, which just showed how, how sparse the N64 library was at that point in time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
very different times where the problem was not enough games. Was Banjo Kazooie out that year? No, no. Well, that, I think that came out later that year, but it was it was definitely not out yet. Or we, I would have just been playing that for the eighteenth time. But you were playing instead. Nagano ninety eight. Nagano ninety eight. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was my neighbor's copy because they 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 were the ones who who got new games every month, oh. uh, which is which is funny to me considering like you get a new game every month and nowadays you can get like five games this week for three dollars yeah I love um, it. <laughs> <laughs> but um the funny thing about that was like there was like a ton of different kinds of events like you could do snowboarding and you could do skiing and you could do like curling and the the one thing that was consistent the whole way around all of those events was it was mostly just press the a button as fast as you can <laughs> <laughs> I play, oh, I played Sydney 2000. That's what I played. Oh, so was was that remotely uh, playable? Uh, I played the Dreamcast version, so Ooh. I'm going to say no, not really. Yeah. Well, yeah. the diving was... I tried to find ways to make the divers uh, land in the water in horrible positions. So I guess that would be part of the fun. I think that's the appeal to any kind of simulation. Hey, look, and- he's in a sideways pike. I guess he should just land in the water now. <laughs> and they That's would just awesome. like dive as if it were a perfect dive, you know, and just swim away. <laughs> it's very strange and disconcerting. See that that that's what's weird about this kind of games is that they they don't really have a whole lot of appeal. Like what makes the Olympics fun in real world is that you're competing in the real world. Yeah. And when when you suddenly turn it into a digital format, it it no longer has that um tension. There could be a good Olympics game, I think. Well, what would it take to make a good Olympics game? You would actually have to develop the sports as if they were fun and interesting games in themselves and not press the A button or press a bunch of buttons in a row. You raise a good point. I think about like other other uses for something like uh, the Wii, Wii Balance Board. Um, yeah, that's like if, if, if something was much more actually physically challenging, I think that that would have a, a, a real like quality component. Like you're, you're, in a sense, kind of training... Uh, two. Um, yeah, even like though downhill, like I could do like a whole game about skiing or just Olympic skiing. Right? Oh yeah, could be great yeah. with the Wii Balance Board and the Wii Motion Plus. And you can basically do the curves with the with the kind of yeah. the balance boardish. It would it does work. I mean, there is it, a it, game that does it. Yeah, that and the the game that came with the Wii Fit. Um, the, there was a skiing mode in there that was the only thing that I liked on that entire disc. <laughs> um, but I, the, I I love skiing, so like anything that that. Even though I am not amazing at skiing, I, anything that's close to it is fun to me. But the the concept of that could be very good, and I, I think that there's probably developers who've tried it. The question is whether or not you can do it well. Yeah, um, that's the issue. It's I think Ubisoft made a lot of uh, we fit uh, we we fit balance board based games, and some of them were pretty decent. Yeah, there's a game called We Love Skiing, I guess. Uh huh. It's by Nimco Bandai. I think it's pretty much the best skiing game there is. Huh. At least for the Wii. As long as you yeah. got a balance board, you're pretty much good to go. Cool. Yeah. I have to look into that. Yeah, it's got hills and oh, well, you can snowboard too, which is really that, weird. Yeah, that that would be really weird on a balance board. Yeah, I guess you just turn the thing sideways. Yeah, and balance. And I don't like snowboarding, so. Uh, but I like watching snowboarding, just not actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I uh I love I love watching snowboarding more than actually doing it and I but I, I absolutely love skiing um the 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 funny thing is yesterday I, I found out about uh, a special event um in the 1985 I think uh Winter Olympics I I don't think that that year was quite right but um someone posted a video where there was an event called Ski Ballet um in which 
um, in which competitors tried to... It was basically like figure skating on skis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like a recipe for disaster. Um, and, and I could only imagine what training for that, would, how many broke, twisted ankles that would lead to. Um, but it's very funny to watch. I'll have to post a, uh, post a YouTube video of that maybe in the comments. Um, <laughs> Uh, in the in the show notes, but uh, yeah, it sounds just as bad as uh, solo synchronized swimming, which, believe it or not, was an Olympic sport for eight years. I know, isn't that, that isn't that a paradox? I know that doesn't make any sense. It's like a person like, thrashing wildly in the water by themselves, <laughs> dancing to music. I, I yeah yeah I synchronized swimming. I yeah that's that is very strange. Um. <laughs> It's like, yeah, you can do whatever you need to by yourself. That's pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, there's some but, uh, weird Olympic sports. Or that were Olympic sports. Yeah. Like tug of war? Yeah. <laughs> it's still professional competitions and everything, so don't that's don't awesome. disc don't disc tug of war. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, I think that's an, that's a show. Yeah, I think Don't disc tug of war. Yeah, don't disc tug of war. <laughs> or um uh what do you call it? Dueling pistols. That's also an Olympic sport. Wait, what? Yeah. Or oh, at man. one point it was. Oh, well, how, how do you do that without killing one another? Uh, you shoot mannequins that wear top hats. That's stupid. Yeah, you, like, step ten paces, then you have to turn can't, around. Can't you shoot, like, rubber bullets, and, like, the other person just gets pwned? Like, that would... Like... I guess they could do that now, but back then they didn't really have the technology, so... Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but now they could probably do it. That would, that, that would make training very interesting, like... All right, I need you to get ready. I need to just brace yourself. We're just going to shoot you with some rubber bullets to get you trained. <laughs> It'll prepare you for the uh, inevitable. Yeah, you're going to bruise, but you'll be okay. <laughs> All right, I think that's a show. <laughs> that's a show. Dueling <laughs> pistols needs to return to the Olympics. That's yeah. That's 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 the most important thing for yeah, me. That's take if you did that, I'd I'd, t- I'd actually tune back in. I might actually consider getting. Uh, Regular television. Yeah, or tug of war. Yeah, that too. <laughs> Bring tug of war back. Tug of war and dueling pistols with rubber bullets. The same event. People would love Find it. a way to combine it. Yeah. <laughs> the same time. <laughs> Pull and shoot. <laughs> Pull and shoot. That would be... That's kind of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so thanks thanks again for tuning in to our show. Uh, if you want to know more about me, I'm at Love Subverts, and you want to know more about Zach, Theology Gaming, um, and we're both at Theology Gaming, because mm-hmm. that's our home. That's 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 our happy place. Yeah, I'm going to sit there. Yeah. So, um, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, if you would like, go to our iTunes and uh, give us a five-star rating just because you're a nice human being. Yeah. Um, not because of any other reason, but just because you're a decent human being, yes, and you want... We, we don't want to sound like we're, we're begging... Um, and, uh, but, we but I, I, I totally, yeah, we totally are. <laughs> um, it's, it's kind of humiliating to help us to stop be self-humiliating at the end of every episode. That would be really nice. Also, why is our podcast page in Portuguese? I don't get this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like, I like Portuguese. Um, I, I just am very curious as to why it defaulted to that. And if you are a Brazilian listener, um, let us know in, in, uh, questions at, theologygaming.com yeah but in English yeah if, if at all possible I mean we, we use Google Translate so if you have if you have to speak in Portuguese that's fine but I don't understand how you would understand what I'm saying right now uh, if you can't communicate in English to some degree very confusing yeah anyway so thanks again for listening we love you guys right, bye
<laughs> Tug of war shooting. Yes. 